This is a Brain Bites episode. We share two quick ideas we learned this week to help you leverage your brain for a better life. And always remember, make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a Brain Tools episode. It's time to level up your brain. Let's get cracking. It's Brain Bites 17 and it's Kieran here flying solo today as Sam is out for a couple of weeks, but we still want to give you those brain bites that you so dearly deserve. And that is where we are going to start cracking today. And we start actually going back with my discovery of going back to World War II. And there's a guy called Abraham Wald, and he was studying World War II aircrafts, especially at the time. So as I'm sure you can appreciate, it was a matter of life and death. And what him and his group of engineers were to discover was how could the aircrafts be better protected. And the process was fascinating and will reveal my learning for the week. Initially, what they did is they actually looked at vehicles that had incurred the most damage. And that sort of makes logical sense, right? They returned, you'd find the areas and you'd reinforce those areas to make sure that they were airtight, so to speak. But what they then realized was a trick here in that those that were most damaged were the ones that actually didn't return from the battle. And so what they would have done is made changes to the things that would actually not reap the biggest reward. And so what they started doing was retrieving and analyzing those that were damaged during the battle and then looking and reinforcing that instead. And what they were all able to do is overcome a cognitive bias that has been seen throughout history, and it's known as survivorship bias. And what it actually is, is a shortcut, a cognitive shortcut, that basically allows us or disallows us when a visible and successful subgroup is actually mistaken for the entire group. And that is because those that fail aren't visible. So an example here is winners and losers. Those that survive are quote unquote the winners and those that are losers are literally not seen. The analogy I can probably give you here is climbing a mountain, right? At the very, very top of the mountain, 0.1% have actually succeeded. We hear all about it. It's rave reviews. It's massive as opposed to all the people that didn't, which might represent 99% plus of these people. And what it leads us to do is actually make a misattribution of cause and effect. We look at the group of these successful people and then we simply copy what they did, assuming that that is the entire sample of people. And so what I want to do is give you a couple of examples here that can hopefully ground this. And we're going to start in one of uh, the areas that I like to dabble in, which is startups. So, right, when we look at unicorn startups, that magical, uh, you know, one billion number, so to speak, it's an archetype of success. But little do we know that 90% of startups actually fail, according to Forbes at least. And so you see the 10% that quote unquote succeed, but you don't see the ones that fail. And it's especially the case when it comes to successful founders as well. Think of, you know, your Steve Jobs, your Elon Musks, your Mark Zuckerbergs. And it's this idea that they dropped out of school, they dedicated their time time to a startup, they had a great idea, they built a team, and the rest is history. And we know that that's not necessarily the case because if everyone was to copy that, then shouldn't everyone be successful? The second example I have for you is financial systems where survivorship bias is massive. And there's a guy called Nicholas Taleb um, that writes about it in his books, Black Swan and Fooled by Randomness, if you are interested. And it occurs, like I said, in the financial systems, particularly when individuals calculate performance results of groups of investments like mutual funds, but they only use the data or surviving data at the end of a period. Um, So an example here, say at the start of year, a thousand funds existed at the start of the year, but then 10% stopped existing. So now you only have 900 at the end of the year. If they take the results at the end of the year, 
obviously your denominator is lower. It's 900, not 1,000. So therefore, the success that you chose, a figure, is obviously going to be higher than it actually should be. And so obviously the mutual funds, these investments, no longer exist due to the, the poor performance they had. So if you omit them from performance studies, it's going to skew the data. And it's obviously going to skew the data in a really positive light. And so the takeaway from my discovery this week is stories of failure clearly aren't shown as much as stories of success. So we can easily fall into a trap of reasoning by analogy, like copy these people and we'll be able to replicate their outcome, as opposed to deeply understanding the first principles, all of external factors like luck, connections, timing, socioeconomic factors. And then we misattribute that that is the cause and effect. And just keeping in mind that correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation. Now, as an example of those, I'm not saying that hard work and talent aren't important. Obviously, they are because they, what, they are what you can control, but it's obviously not the entire picture. And so to get really practical here of how I would go about using it in my life or how I'd recommend doing so is when you're looking at examples of success in any given field, please, pretty, pretty, please don't just copy. You want to use a mental model called inversion, which is flipping it on, on its head. Instead of saying what you see, ask what do I not see? What's missing? And instead of looking at examples of purely success and copying, look at commonalities of those that fail and look to avoid those. There's a, a phrase that has keeps popping in my head all the time. I think it's from Farnham Street, uh, a guy called Shane Parrish. And he basically says, it's much easier to avoid stupidity than it is to seek out brilliance. So pushing yourself, no matter what situation you're in, to just ask yourself, what am I missing? Especially when you're presented with a biased data set where you're making really important decisions, whether in your life or at work, it can really, really help you obviously make better decisions and then improve the quality of your life altogether. And yeah, that's Brain Bite 17. That's what I learned this week. And we will see you next time. We hope you love this Brain Bites episode. If you wanted to support us, the best way is to add a screenshot of it to your Insta story or to share it in a WhatsApp group with friends or share the link to someone who you think might benefit from it. We'll see you next time.